What's up, Jonathan? How are you doing today? Doing pretty good, Jesse. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Well, all my friends are out for a football game today, and it's really hot at Texas Tech. It's 95 degrees, or it's really hot. I can't stand it. So, how's your day been like? It's been honestly pretty good. It's just kind of hanging at the at a, at home for the time being. I I live near Denton and just commute up to school, so I just stay at home. And it's so it's just kind of a take care of schoolwork and just kind of rest. <laughs> oh wait, what school do you go to? I actually go to the University of North Texas as well. Oh. Yeah, I did, I had a podcast guest who also goes to the University of North Texas right now, so maybe you can, you know, uh, talk to her later. Mm-hmm. So, how is it like being a college student, and what have you found to be something surprising? I guess I definitely think that overall, I've being in college thus far has been quite the experience. One major thing I think most students have to kind of get an understanding of that it's taken a little bit of time for me as well as understanding the process of your own organizational system, your own like peak times for classes and studying, but also ensuring that there's time for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely time management. Mm-hmm. I still struggle with that. <laughs> Don't we all struggle with time management? It's a really hard thing to do. But what are like some things that you do on campus? Like, I guess, as hobbies or I guess any organizations that you have joined? So as far as organizations and just things around campus that I do, I, I actually do work a on-campus job. Mm-hmm. And I'm also a part of two student orgs, one of which is known as the BV, we call it the Blind and Visually Impaired Alliance. It basically is a support group on campus where we, other blind and visually impaired students can just kind of meet up, hang out and chat. And then also we're still getting the ball rolling on it, but we're, we're fairly new, started back in the Mm-hmm. in the spring mm. and other than that i recently joined what's called sae mm-hmm. so they basically help we basically work on designing a formula one racing car that Whoa. at the end of the school year they go and compete and drive oh wait, do you mind me asking what you are majoring in i'm actually majoring in mechanical and energy engineering Oh, okay. I don't know much about that major. So what is it exactly? So really, it's more so mechanical engineering. UNT was one of the first universities to actually add on the and energy piece, which it's basically the study of how, how things are, anything that really moves or has components that move, mm-hmm. it's understanding understanding like how those how that process works how how different materials will react to different movements and basically just helping to analyze how things are operate 
Wait, what are some people that you looked up to? Like, for, for example, I look up to Elon Musk and then think of what you just said. I am like, I'm imagining like the Hyperloop. So maybe someday you're involved with that. <laughs> so one thing is, is I'm, I've kind of got a bit of more of a eclectic interest. I, I do think people like Elon Musk are very admirable based off of how they hold themselves and their productivity skills are like really next to nothing. But for me, I've always been, I've really looked up to people who help design theme parks. So um, one of the biggest people that I kind of found fascinating, not just growing up, but I, um, I've still kind of deeply like learning about his history and his company's history was Walt Disney. Yeah. Walt Disney did a lot. Uh, I've been to Disney, Disney world once at Orlando. Mm-hmm. It, it was pretty fun. I liked it. I liked it really a lot. A lot. I was really young back then though. Have you been to Disney world? I actually have. Um, so I had one trip when I was in getting ready to go into sixth grade, which kind of spurred the whole interest into theme parks. And I actually recently got home from a recent internship working on the Disney College program this past spring. Oh, wait. What do you do exactly on that program then? So the program is basically kind of an experience where you, they divide into three components, live, learn, and earn. So basically... You go and they offered at both Disney World and Disneyland and they basically give you the option of either finding your own house or staying in company sponsored housing. And while you're working on it, um, you could be placed at any of the parks or resorts working like a frontline position. Mm. And then there's opportunities of learning from, they call them meet and greets. It's basically like networking opportunities with your leadership and stuff or it's stuff along the lines of talking about or like they have little classes that you can go and take that are like little seminars where you get to hear from people who work in higher departments or you're learning about they do other experiences that you're able to do now you said that you came back so were you at disney world like the orlando one Yes. I, I was on the college program. I moved down there back in January. My check-in date was January 21st. Mm-hmm. And we were quickly rushed out of there oh. once all this COVID stuff happened. But yeah. it was still an amazing experience. And I, I wouldn't have traded it for the world. Yeah, I was going to ask you about like how uh, if you were there around this time, then you would have seen the overlap with the NBA bubble. That would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you interested in anything that like sports related or, or anything else that really interests you? So I am actually someone who growing up, I ran cross country, did wrestling, and then like I also would do track throwing for track and field. But once I got into college, a lot of that just kind of melted down to just genuinely trying to stay active. So really the only thing I've kept with is the running. Uh-huh. All the quarantine stuff basically caused it to 
melt back to um, <laughs> pretty sedimentary lifestyle with summer classes and all that. But uh -huh. I've started getting back into it and it's, I'm really, it's overall a great experience. Yeah. Uh, actually, I've been getting back into running a little bit. Uh, I saw like one of my peers, like she wants to run 100 miles. So I also wanted to, you know, my competitive nature came in a little bit. So now mm -hmm. I'm running five miles day trying to catch up to her goal <laughs> and basically beat her to the goal and running five miles is tough i never realized that how many, how how long of a distance do you run usually when i used to do it in high school i would do 5ks oh because that's what um really a lot of the cross-country teams would do um but now on a personal level I haven't really gone that distance mm -hmm. right now. I'm kind of building up where I'm just simply walking a mile. And then once I get, once I get my time down to where I want it, then mm -hmm. I'll extend the distance and slowly start building up pace. And uh, I actually use an app to help me track it. It's been really helpful, I guess. Mm -hmm. It shows you like where you run and then like what time, what's your average time per mile. Uh, it's called, if I remember correctly, it's Gara or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. A star. Yeah. Yeah, I use I use what's called Runkeeper. It it's also does quite similar things. It's very those apps are very helpful, especially mm -hmm. because I know like with Runkeeper they have like audio things that will say, Hey, you've been going for this long, this many ma this distance and your average distance to time. Yeah, I'll check that out since it has audio functions for that one. Because the one that I'm using, it doesn't really have audio stuff. So, or maybe it does. Uh, I haven't really looked into it a lot. Yeah, like I, I would say I'm pretty. I enjoy sports. Like it keeps me active, keeps me healthy. Uh, I really subscribe to that uh, thought. I guess mm -hmm. uh, how the Greeks said that it's like fifty percent. Uh, you're going to train your body 50%, train your mind kind of thing. So right. I really subscribe to that type of thinking. And let's go in, go more into like, I guess, school. Uh, how have you been, I guess, for me personally, organizing all my notes has been quite, quite a struggle. Um, like looking back on my notes and then like retaining it is, like, I haven't really found like a proper way to do it like the most efficient way to do it before a test so how have you been doing it i definitely think that overall the way for me obviously it's going to be different than the way for you i like for me when it comes to some of my some of the math exams i've taken in the past or even to some of the mm -hmm. engineering classes i'm currently in when i get to coming up on an exam i really will dig out the example problems rework those um or i've even scrolled through like my textbook and worked additional problems because i i pay for trade study and mm -hmm. i will check my answer and if i'm stuck on the problem i'll see like okay they're using this to get me started but then i cut away to work it individually check my answer is it right so i basically it's very different depending on the course, I would definitely say. Mm -hmm. But 
one of the biggest things I can suggest, and this is coming from something I've learned in a class that I've kind of just picked up just to finish out an associate's degree, mm -hmm. um, is there's definitely something to be said for understanding your, your learning style. So if you're visual, audio, like audibly or kinesthetically, mm -hmm. I think all that's having an understanding of that is very important. Like for me, I've learned that I basically really excel with learning every way except for reading and writing. Mm -hmm. So for me, writing out a bunch of notes, like rewriting out notes or having to read a textbook, that just, it's, it doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. But other people, it might. So I think it's just to figure out how it's going to best work. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, everybody has different ways of learning. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's, I guess that's life, trying to figure out something. Um, you know, you can't really have or have everything planned out or that's not going to be a fun life i guess and i would say that's the same case with my eye condition because i had i haven't been blind my whole life uh, it came upon me around like 11th grade so uh if you don't mind can you share a little bit more about uh your eye condition yeah so I have no, I have what is known as optic nerve hypoplasia. So it basically means mm -hmm. my optic nerve is about half the size that it should be, which basically limits my, my distance that I'm able to see and a bit of the perception. Mm -hmm. So it's very, it can, it's, I can't see as far as like my family can. So one thing it's like everyone who asked me, who has asked me like, why don't you drive? <laughs> One, I don't think I can pass the DMV's visual exam. No. <laughs> based off of what my visual acuity is. Um, but on top of that, I don't trust the other drivers on the road. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so that's it's a common like, fear. I already have enough issues with my eyesight. I don't need to worry about someone texting and driving and then, oh. Yeah. There are a lot of dangerous drivers out there, so uh, having good eyesight is definitely a necessity to, I guess, negate those dangerous drivers out there. That really reminds me of one memory was because uh, before college, I had to get a state ID, and basically, uh, I actually had a driver's license. I got my driver's license before I got blind. So I was actually driving a little bit, but then I guess it expired. I had to grab a, grab a state ID. And then at the door, we were like, I want to get a state ID. And the dude was like, the dude was like, why are you getting a state ID? You, you have to like forfeit your driver's license to get that. And nobody, nobody wants it. And that day I didn't carry my cane around. So he didn't know that I was blind. So he was just like saying like, why are you trying to like, forfeit your driver license for a state ID. And then like we argued a bit and then we went in, I did the uh, visual field test, like the, those letter things. And then I got to like line two. And he's like, what is this letter? And I was like, I don't know. He's like, do you have your glasses on you? I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so basically at the end, like 
my dad told him like I was blind and then like he understood why. So I guess they do vision tests at the door now, I guess. <laughs> that was a funny instance uh, that I remember. Uh, as for driving, it's pretty fun. But yeah, I wouldn't agree with you on those dangerous drivers. I had a lot of experience with dangerous drivers around me. Like the people who tailgate you, it's really frustrating. But I guess we don't have those problems now. Right. Uh, what is one thing that really, um, I guess, oh yeah. So for STEM, I heard like, I heard you, I think you were like a board member on one of the Zoom meetings that I attended. Yes. Um, it was like something about college success or something like that, where we heard you, Syed, and more blessings present their uh, there stories. Was, more blessings was there, but it was also Emmeline. Oh yeah, her too. And uh, when it came to you, you mentioned how you were a STEM student, and I was wondering. Uh, from what I've heard also from my peers, like doing mechanical engineering also requires you to know chemistry. So how have you been doing chemistry? Because um, talking to one of my friends, he said that doing chemistry is really visual when it comes down to like knowing how molecules are structured. Right. It, it's honestly very, very interesting. I think it, it varies depending on like what tools you have access to so like if if you're able to i would almost almost maybe look into if you're needing a a tactile version of like a mo of one of the like a model of something mm -hmm. you might be able to depending on the college campus there might be a place for you to like 3 3d print it or something mm. but um overall a lot more of where my learning came from were from the labs, which kind of spurs a oh, funny story. I want to hear it. So our, so we, when I was going through chemistry, this was like my, I think it was like my second spring semester. And so our TAs switched like nearly mm -hmm. every three, four weeks to a different TA. Oh. It, yeah, it was, it was not cool because we had no idea what the, grading expectations were at that yeah. point but one week we were doing an experiment and i i was more so just helping with like the normal like i personally was helping with a lot more of the calculations and the and like maybe helping make sure things were staying cleaned up and everything whereas i was kind of watching what what my classmates were doing specifically with like the like working over the Bunsen burners and all that because like while I trust myself around those because I've used them in the past yeah with when it comes to your college grade sometimes you have to entrust your teammates in way in ways you maybe wouldn't expect I would occasionally help with some of the gathering like the measured amounts of the chemicals but in general I let them like mix them together and do that process so that everything stayed clean there were no chemical spills mm -hmm. but there's this one lab where we were i forget what 
exactly what we were doing. I think it was like a, we had it on an electric burner, this, the slab and the, we were trying to see how fast something boiled mm. and this chemical boiled. And one of my teammates, like they reached over and grabbed one of these like things to help accelerate the, accelerate the boiling. Mm-hmm. They put in way too many of the things and it started um, overflowing, smoking like crazy. The <laughs> TA had just walked out of the room and everyone starts panicking. Oh, and I, I was stressing because I'm like, oh, great. It happened to me, my group, but <laughs> I, I was like, okay, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, it was like a volcanic reaction. <laughs> kind of. Was it really hot around that area? Like you can't even touch that thing? Yeah, no, the, the TA literally had to use like the, some tongs to carry the, the glass that was fuming out this like bad like these really bad fumes and a fume oh. hood and shut it and turned it on oh so some one of those two mixed something up wrong and then they tried to use too many shortcuts <laughs> uh there hasn't been any accidents where like when you're doing the combustion unit <laughs> in your lab yeah and, uh, luckily we well I think because for my specific degree at UNT, they had us, it's very different because I think a lot of other programs, like even degrees at UNT, but just programs in general require physical chemistry one and chemistry two, but Mm -hmm. um, my degree only required chemistry one. And the reasoning behind Mm -hmm. that was I had to do a class that was called um, material science. And that was- That one was a lot more fun. It was dealing a lot more with like getting to see tensile, doing like tensile tests and just checking the conductivity. We even at one point in that class got to mix an epoxy, which it was very, very neat and very just like clean. It was, so there were like pairs of us and there were like different epoxies that had to be created for the next lab. So they were like, okay, this group takes this one. And we had one or two specific chemicals that we had to combine together with certain measurements and stirred it up and they would pour it into like a mold. And that just was a very clean and easy process. And it was honestly really neat to see. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I've gotten to see some pretty cool things with when I did that lab. And really, I'm at the point in my degree, I'm like, I'm tired of all the theoretical stuff. Let me get into the hands-on stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like doing stuff with my hands too, like building stuff. So I guess that really explains why I'm doing architecture. And it's actually an interesting major. Um, I haven't really found anyone that's blind or visually impaired who's like going through architecture school. Uh, yeah, it's been uh, like a deer in the headlights kind of thing. Not really knowing what exactly to do, but I, I wouldn't say I don't know it, how to do it, but it was more like not someone there to like, you know, guide me kind of sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's why on a Zoom meeting that I was on and you were one of the board members, I really, really liked how there was like that mentorship program kind of thing mm-hmm. where uh, you can basically help guide the mentees 
to or have a better you know give them a better direction to go and i really like the idea of mentoring in the first place because uh it i just feel like it really matches it matches up a person who has like a certain level of blindness with another person that also has that same level of blindness instead of like having one mentor to mentor like all different types of blindness which is not as effective so what do you think on this matter like mentorship honestly i'm i'm with you i think what the nfb of texas does with their career mentoring program is an amazing thing i i've actually been a part of it and unfortunately i think i'm coming up on the cutoff point because i turned Mm -hmm. 22 this year Mm. but I overall, I think the mentoring program has been an amazing experience to do. You know, I've, I've had opportunities to do a wide variety of things, including, I remember two years ago, like one or two years ago in January, January, I think it was January of 2019, if I recall correctly, maybe 18, but Mm -hmm. I was, I went with the mentoring program to go do Washington seminar. And that was a very, oh. very fun experience. I, because it, again, it was kind of like that hands-on of like actually just communicating our voice out there. And it, mm-hmm. it felt really accomplishing. And the craziest thing was, was my group during Washington seminar, um, when we went up to talk with all of like the congressmen and women and the senators, I had actually gotten my congressman for, for my like for like the, the zone that for Denton County mm. at the time. So it was really cool um, to kind of vouch for an area that no pun intended hits so close to home. But beyond that, back to the whole mentoring stuff, I just think mentoring on any level is good. Like, I mean, even if, even if there's not a specific person within Texas, that's an architect, I think, reaching out, but you meet them at like national yeah. convention, connecting yeah. with them on that level would be really smart. Or like even if you can't find someone specifically, just find someone who's a professional, you know, yep. multiple mentors are very good. I'm kind of thinking of trying to reconnect with someone I did an informative interview with a while back. Mm. Um, and try to see if I can revive that into maybe a bit of a mentorship as I go through the last two years. Yeah, you, you've been really involved uh, with the NFB Texas and NFB in general. Uh, uh, what is one thing or like anything that you really, I guess, really liked about it? I think just the, the ability for us all to connect and just kind of get to meet with like-minded people because Mm -hmm. it's very interesting sometimes when when you have people who underestimate be because of your vision i mean yeah it it was really it's really great to kind of have that atmosphere because that it is a very empowering crowd Mm -hmm. even like i remember sitting with my mentor at one point and us sort of talking and it's kind of even if you don't agree with someone a hundred percent of the time we all have such a commonality in our thought processes 
based off our experiences of our own blindness, that it's kind of helped create this uniform general idea that everyone can agree upon. I really like what you said there. And also like how when I guess you form relationships with people, uh, it could be business, it could be socially or whatever. Oftentimes you have to make compromises. And I feel like a lot of people think that it's both sides get what they want, but I feel like it's more like both both sides get something, but they're still not happy about it. So that that's when it's equal, I would say. Because if you have one side that's happy and one side's not, then I guess one side didn't get what they want. But on the other hand, if one side, you know, is happy, the other side's not, then, you know, that's the same thing, vice versa. And if both sides are happy, then I feel like it's just, I, I feel like they didn't get enough. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. That's what I really think about compromises. And I really like what you said before about that. Also, um, I've seen a lot of people that really, I guess they're surprised that, you know, I'm doing architecture. So have you had any instances where people were surprised that you were doing the major that you were doing? I think especially at first, there are a lot of people who find it surprising because unfortunately, like fortunately, but unfortunately, mechanical engineering and architecture kind of fall underneath a same, a similar category in that they're a little bit more visual than most, mm -hmm. than most like you compare it to like computer, com like software engineering or like, or like computer engineering, they're compared to those, those are very easy to make accessible for people who are blind. Yeah. That's why like you see so many people who are involved with like the computer science portion of the NFB. Yeah. But when you compare it to the, to like our majors, there is a lot more of a challenge to it because like with my classes, I have some classes where it's like you're analyzing an image to see, okay, so this force is going in this and let's say going to the away from the object into a wall hmm. as a, you have a downward for force pushing it down, you know, trying to understand mm -hmm. how's this momentum and like shear force going to bend this object over time or um one class that i've experienced challenges in is thermodynamics mm. that class it's about three chapters in you you get introduced to what are called like the like the thermodynamic tables and depending on your teacher it can be very easy to understand unfortunately for me it's not always the easiest thing i remember going in to try to get help and it I could literally just sense the anguish because I just wasn't someone who naturally got it yeah and I it's sad to see professors like that but I think in general I think what it comes down to is I think there's everyone's always going to be kind of shocked at first if they don't know about your specific level of blindness mm-hmm but I think if people actually learn to get to kind of like if they get to know you, Jesse, or like how some people have gotten to know me, they understand where our blindness is. And so they can better 
help associate this is how we're going to approach this class to ensure that you're gaining the same knowledge everyone else is at the same level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I during high school, I would say there was a teacher that uh, I worked with a lot to like, you know, doing tests, quizzes, essays, like writing essays was a big one. And since she knew all my tendencies, I would say, like, we could do stuff that would normally take me a long time and like make make like this basically shortened that time period by a lot since she knew like what my blindness was exactly and how like what things I can do and what things I cannot do and that was like a big help during high school especially when uh, my vision was still not stabilized so definitely knowing uh, like having like people know kind of like your tendencies helps with um, gaining the knowledge that you're trying to I guess pay for to go to college in the first place and also how like you mentioned how people don't really know what you're really experiencing is or what you're going through uh, since you know they, they're not living through your body so they won't use your own eyes to you know, really know what your vision is like. I really agree with that. And you can also see that with like, I guess, relationships, I guess, mm -hmm. how mm, I would say like maybe relationships that are complicated or there are like a lot of conflicts in them. And then eventually like, I guess they break up. And like for me specifically, I wouldn't know how that that was like since I have not, I haven't been in like a official relationship, but that's kind of like the same uh, grain of thought, I guess. Like pe people don't really know until they really experience it. They experience it. Um, I've been asking you a lot of questions. Do you have any questions for me? I think one that I think would be interesting to hear your thoughts on is, so have you experienced anything that you'd say since starting college, because I know this is your first semester, that mm -hmm. even though it's a different semester with everything being virtual, have you still experienced anything like extraordinary or that you would feel is already unique about your semester or your college experience? Um, I would say that I've been, I've put a more, like put more emphasis on being more social like you know taking my social life more seriously i guess and with that i guess something extraordinary i can't really think on top of my head but i i would say that a big contrast between being in college and being a student at high school was that uh during high school since it was a lot of work, seven classes a day from like nine to four fifteen every single day. It was like a lot, like the workload was a lot. So to like cope with that, I would like watch like a lot of YouTube, even though I guess it's such a visual medium medium, but that would be what I did a lot. But ever since I've been in college, I haven't been doing that a lot. So I would say that's like a huge contrast that I've, um, I've seen from going from high school to college. And also I would say that I haven't seen it, not, 
like seeing people walking around with canes that like I do, I haven't seen a lot of people doing that. So I would say that that's pretty special. Um, I'm sure there are uh, blind people on campus, but I guess most of them are like they use guide dogs. So I'm not, I guess I'm like pretty unique using like a cane. I think beyond that, is there, like, do you have a thought of where you want to end up after you Ooh. get done with college? Yeah, I was going to ask you that too. Uh, f- after college, uh, since with architecture, you have to do like in basically internships for like two years or something like that. So probably that's what I'm going to do after college. But as for final destination, I would say I'm pretty ambitious. So probably like I would love to open my own architectural firm and make the designs that I want instead of like subscribing to another person's uh, design or creative mm-hmm. thinking. Um, I know that like to get somewhere first, you have to like sacrifice a little bit and also how it's like, I would say a pretty humbling experience too. You know, you can't really get your way all the time. So you have to like, it's kind of like climbing the ladder kind of thing. But I feel like after, you know, putting in work a couple of years and then maybe I could like open my own firm. And I guess with anything that's artistic, I would say architecture is like a combination between math and art. So with the artistic side, every architect wants their work to, you know, stand for like stand the test of time and be like famous. And that's where you get the term starchitect, which is like star and the architect combined together. So you become mm-hmm. a star architect, starchitect. And I feel like every single architecture student wants to achieve that to some sort of level, but it's really hard. It's only for the select few. So that would be like an even more ambitious thing to try to uh, work towards too. And also that's like a motivate, motivating factor for me personally. I would also say that uh, I know like the life a little bit, not being blind and also like, I obviously I'm living a life being blind now. So I have a lot of, I guess, empathy for people being blind. And also that's like one of the reasons why I started this podcast is to basically uh, shed a little bit of education. What's what it really is like being like a, uh, blind pe- blind person. So, so what is your end goal? For mine, I I can tell you it kind of spurs back to a few things I've touched upon. So, I really would like I'm really gearing myself up to try to enter the themed entertainment industry as a mm-hmm. mechanical engineer. Um, but if there is like a company specifically, I I've always admired the attention to detail and that goes into it. So for me, it would be Disney, like Walt Disney Imagineering would Mm. be kind of my end goal. That would be fun. I would, are you going to design roller coaster or just like the theme park in general? Uh, It would be a lot more of just like theme parks and attractions in general. Uh But I mean, there is probably some roller coaster design within that. 
Because mm. I mean, if you look currently, they if you look around in the news, they're they're talking about the they've been working on the Tron coaster for quite a while, and you know there had to have been some design planning going into that. Yeah, and I I think I saw a video basically talking about amusement parks and how there's like a lot of psychology involved in that too. So that kind of fascinates me too. And also like the roller coasters. I really like roller coasters, like riding them and just like seeing them too. Mm-hmm. So do, do you know a little bit of the psychology that goes into amusement parks? Uh, I'm not quite as well-rounded with like the psychology aspect. I know that there's definitely like a behavioral analysis that goes on because I mean they've they've obviously most larger theme parks have it down to a science of where to place certain things but yeah. I mean because I mean if you think about it, they set stores right outside the the ride so that in the exit of the ride so that as you're trying as a parent's trying to drag their kid out it's probably a way to entice the kid to see something and be like oh I really want this I really want this <laughs> yeah um, or even like when they do the photos on the rides, it's a way to kind of intrigue. Like, I know that there's some type of like psychological, um, business combination that goes on there. Mm. I just don't know the direct specifics. Yeah. Like I, I remember seeing another video talking about like one thing specifically, like the, the ladder climb thing. Mm-hmm. how in physics it's like basically you're on a type rope like basically trying to climb a type rope but mm-hmm. visually it's just like it looks like a ladder and it should look really easy and a lot of like amusement parks have that because it's an easy way to trick people into like you know paying a lot of money to do something they think that's easy but it actually actually is really hard so I would say that thing really is one thing that really uh, fascinates me, how like amusement parks come up with these kinds of stuff. And also how mm-hmm. like the ring toss to like the glass bottles, how that's also really difficult to do, but it looks easy. Yeah, um, because they'll pick like the rings that like you have to throw it at just the right angle to exactly. land perfectly. Yeah. Another one that I know of that, is one of those that it seems like it's very easy, but I've, from my understanding, is very hard. Are the like ones where they're like hang off this bar for like ninety seconds or something and win a prize. What they don't tell you is that bar that you're holding onto is rotating. Oh, they have little stepper motors in there that are rotating the bar, so it <laughs> it causes your body to swing. So that's moving mass and then you also have the your grip strength so it's it's very they they get very mischievous with their their physics in in those cases Mm -hmm. but then i also think they have some where it's like they they try to balance it with other other games or other things to make it a a fair experience Mm -hmm. yeah I just feel like amusement parks, like on one hand, it's really fun. On the other hand, it's like they had to make money somehow, but they come up with so creative designs to just, um, I wouldn't say trick, but basically uh, kind of warp 
reality a little bit, like people's perception. So that's mm-hmm. really interesting to me. Um, I really enjoyed having you on my podcast today. I really like talking about amusement parks. <laughs> Honestly, I've I've had a really great time. I it's really fun to just kind of throw back and forth some of this stuff. Yeah, and that's gonna be a wrap. <laughs>